Hello, hello, and welcome to The Art of Being You with me, Rachel Wortman. You guys, this podcast is all about learning to be who God created you to be, embracing that person, and ultimately living your best life with Jesus. We've got a lot of great content today, so let's get to it in The Art of Being You. Welcome back to the podcast, everybody. Welcome to the art of being you. So today I'm going to do something that in complete transparency, total honesty, I don't want to do. I'm going to backtrack on a statement that I've made, an opinion that I've held for the last two years. And here's the deal. Uh, I could easily just change my opinion, which I've done and sort of let it fade into the background and work itself, you know, through, but I believe that if I'm going to tell you with any sort of conviction and maybe even, you know, place of uh, authority at some level uh, on a topic that I have to truly be transparent. And when God takes me to a new place, a different place than something I've previously believed, uh, then I feel like it's my responsibility to you guys as the listeners to be honest about that. And so that's what we're doing today, even though uh, there's a part of me that just feels like, oh, I just wish this could just fade into the background and chalk it up to something I don't have to publicly uh, say. That's not the way life works. So I want to talk about the Enneagram and does the Enneagram hold up as a tool for true Bible believing people? And uh, I'm sure you can guess and catch where I'm going with this, but uh, it's my personal opinion now that the answer is no. And if you've known me personally, or you've listened to this podcast for any length of time, then you may be like, wait a second, I thought you were a huge fan of the Enneagram. And I have said that in the past and I was, so I want to tell you a little bit about my story about how I came to the Enneagram and how I came to where I am now with the Enneagram in hopes that it will help you make a decision for yourself. Now, my personal opinion on life is that you are free to, you know, think for yourself, make your own decisions. Um, I'm not saying you're free of consequences, neither am I, from the decisions that we make, but you are absolutely free to have your own opinion. In fact, to God, in my personal perspective, freedom is one of, if not the highest value that God holds for humanity. It really matters to him that we have freedom. And uh, that being said, I extend that same freedom to you. You absolutely do not have to agree with me on this, and that is totally okay. Uh, And, you know, I respect that. And I just want to be honest and transparent with you guys who have been on this journey and and really take time out of your week to listen to these episodes. So a couple of years ago, about two and a half years ago, actually, I had seen a friend posting about the Enneagram on Instagram. And I'm like, this thing looks like a satanic pentagram or something. And I kept thinking, how is this person who I know loves Jesus, who is a missionary, uh, posting about this thing? How is this even possible? And I began to do some research and trying to, you know, inform my need to feel judgmental. And I discovered, oh, it's not a satanic thing. It's a personality test. So being a true personality test junkie that I am, I took it. And I took the test and I tested as a seven. And uh, so I'm like, okay, I read the description and I thought, you know what? Weirdly, this is 
very accurate about me. I was really fascinated with how the Enneagram speaks to your motivations, meaning it's not really about your behavior, it's about why you behave that way. And because of that, they'll say that the Enneagram you cannot type someone else. They have to type themselves, meaning they have to uh, decide for themselves what is their driving motivation. Now, before we continue this conversation, if you've never heard of the Enneagram, let me just give you a, a 30 second uh, catch up to speed about it. The Enneagram is a personality profile. It's meant to be a more spiritually driven personality profile. And what it does is it looks at the nine motivations that sort of all human beings fall into one of those categories is what they propose. And that there's nine reasons that someone is driven for their life. So things like the need to be good and be seen as good, uh, the the need to avoid pain, um, the need to or the the driving you know motivating factor to be a peacemaker, and and have harmony in your relationships. Those are just three of the different ones. And so then when you dive into the Enneagram, you get these things called wings, which is basically the number on either side of your number that you type it at. And those are like qualities that you draw from in your personality. And then if you go even deeper in the Enneagram, you'll discover not only are there wings, but there are also countertypes. In each number, there are three different types of being that you can be. And then you have a number that you go to in stress. And then you have a number that you go to when you're growing and moving forward in life. And if you're paying attention, that is not a conclusive thing. Uh, but we're going to circle back to that in a little bit. So I, two and a half years ago, I, I took the test. I tested as a seven and I'm going, okay, well, this is, this feels true to me. And I went online. A friend of mine had been talking and raving about the typology podcast, which I have also talked about. And so I went and found an episode where they interviewed someone who was a seven. And I will never forget. I was sitting at Wingstop waiting to bring food home for my family and listening to this woman talk about her experience as a seven. And I felt like I was listening to myself. It was a very weird experience. And from that moment, I was hooked. This felt like such an accurate portrayal of personality development. Now, I had heard from people that there was a cultic background to the Enneagram. So I did some research for myself. And what I mean by that is I spent about three hours reading through articles, uh, looking at sources, trying to decide for myself, do I really believe this thing has occultic backgrounds? To the best of my research, I found two things. Number one, there was this crazy guy in the late 60s, early 70s, who is kind of in some streams known as the one who brought the Enneagram to America. He was absolutely a Satanist. He was a very crazy weirdo, probably possessed. And uh, that is what some people would say is the father of the Enneagram. But then there was this whole other stream of people who claim to be Christians, who say they're Christians, and they would say that Richard Rohr is sort of the father of the Enneagram, and he had written a book called The Enneagram, A Christian Perspective. And so the research that I concluded was that Richard Rohr was using the Enneagram from a stream that had nothing to do with this other crazy person who had sort of hijacked it for his own purposes and that's what I have believed for the last two years. Therefore, if you're doing the deductive reasoning, the Enneagram, from my perspective, did not have occultic backgrounds from the standpoint that it would be something dangerous to the life of a believer. So that's where I was. I have researched the Enneagram for countless hours, just to be honest. I've typed all of my friends. If you are someone in my inner circle, it's something that comes up in conversation all the time. And here's the truth. The Enneagram truly did bring breakthrough in my marriage, 
It brought breakthrough in my own personal understanding of myself, and it brought breakthrough in some of the hardest relationships in my life. And here's what I mean by that. It put language to things I could not understand. I couldn't understand why certain people acted the way they did. And when I began to bring up some of the motivations of the Enneagram and said, you know, do you ever feel this way? Uh, and the person would say, yeah, I do. And that, and we began to have conversations that brought understanding that brought a place of easeability for me to extend honor and grace and, uh, and really be able to elevate the, the context of a number of relationships in my life. So if you're like me, you're thinking, well, this can't be bad. I am a hardcore Bible believing believer. My life belongs to Jesus. I gave it up a long time ago. God is my master. He's not just my Lord. He's not just my savior. He's not my friend. He's certainly not my butler. I am his servant. And so as someone who is actively pursuing that perspective, the Enneagram had brought a lot of breakthrough into my life. And here's the wildest part about the whole thing. I believe the Holy Spirit told me to look into the Enneagram. In fact, I still believe it was the Holy Spirit who said, hey, this will be helpful for you. So here I am, two and a half years later, feeling like the Holy Spirit is saying, are you seeing the limitations that the Enneagram brings? Now, you might be saying, hey, hold on, Rachel, that must mean that you missed it, that you missed it from God, that God, it wasn't God that said that the Enneagram was a good thing for you. And, you know, that might be true. But what I believe is that the Holy Spirit allowed me to go into the concept of the Enneagram, to look at it, to see it, um, because I think he knew what was happening around, you know, the, in other words, for me to really be able to see the limitations, I had to see the strengths. And I don't regret the last two years that I've spent learning about the Enneagram, because for me, it's actually been learning about human nature. It's been learning about the things that drive people, the motivations that drive people. Um, but I do believe that the Enneagram is extremely limiting in how it presents those things. So let's dive into that for a moment. And before I do that, let me just say, I get it. If you're listening to this and you're going, Rachel, I thought you loved the Enneagram. I've dig dug into the Enneagram because of you. I would say I'm genuinely sorry. Um, and that's part of why this podcast has been a hard one for me to do because uh, I have changed my opinion. But again, I feel like it's my place to be transparent and allow you guys to come truly on the journey with me, not just on the highs, but also through the lows. And it's been a little bit of a low point. So about a month, no, it's been about three months ago at the recording of this. I'm driving down the road. Uh, I know exactly where I was driving, just like the wing stop moment. And I'm driving past the post office and I held, I just felt this nudge from the Holy Spirit that said, you know, the Enneagram is an extremely limiting perception on humanity. And I thought, you know what? I think you're right. The longer that I've dug into it, the more that I've looked at it, there's so few sources that are actually presenting the true gospel of Jesus Christ in the context of the Enneagram. Uh, and I was like, you know what, Lord, you're right. And I began to realize that in my own relationships, there were a number of limiting things. I'd have conversations with somebody that would be a certain number and I would realize, you know, they're not really that number or yeah, they do. They do make decisions sometimes based on that motivating factor, but not all the time. Let me just use me as an example. So I test as a seven, which means uh, that that according to the Enneagram, I am someone who's driven by the need to avoid pain. And in some ways, that's absolutely true, but not in all ways. Uh, and the Enneagram would also say that sevens are always the happiest people in the room, that they're the, the ones who always look on the bright side. And you know what? I do tend to land positively when I'm going through something difficult, but I also can be a pessimist. If you are in the deepest inner circles of my life, you know that pain has been my constant friend for the last eight or nine years. It's been a 
deep, deep, deep journey to deal with the internal pain that I have. And never once have I tried to avoid it. I can't avoid it. It will not let me. It has to be something I bring to Jesus. And so then you would say, well, okay, so then that must mean that you have a six wing because a six is someone who's really risk averse. And, you know, they are, um, they're maybe sometimes a little bit more negative, maybe a little bit more pessimistic. And I would say to you, okay, but when I look at the things about a six, I would say, none of that is me. So where does that leave me? Well, then I have to dive into the counter types of a seven. And am I a counter type? Well, none of those really seem to fit as well. And here's my point. I think the Enneagram has so many variables. Well, maybe you're in growth. Well, maybe you're in stress. Maybe you're a counter type because here I go. I'm going to be honest. I don't think it holds up as a true personality type indicator. I just don't think it does. Um, And that being said, can't take that back now. That being said, I think then we have to look deeper and say, well, then what is the Enneagram doing? So let's go back to my story. Three months ago, I, I have this moment. The Holy Spirit begins to, to crumble the fabric of the Enneagram in my mind. And it, to be honest, at first, uh, I, I kind of rejected that. I didn't want to hear the Lord say that because I have loved the Enneagram. It's been really fun for me. You know, all the memes, I eat them up. I send them to my friends, um, you know, and it's a fun kind of culture thing, right? But then I began to realize that in my personal relationships with people, not just me, but they were struggling to be true to one different type. And I found it as a pastor unbelievably limiting to hear someone's Enneagram number and then feel like I could assume different things about them. As if if you are a certain number, you always act this particular way. Now, it might describe why you act like that sometimes, but it actually deteriorated my ability to pastor people because instead of asking them the deeper questions, the tendency would would be to make assumptions based on their number. And let me just tell you, if you were in ministry of any level, that is a very, very dangerous thing to do. So that began to come up as a question to me. And in the midst of all of this, a friend of mine sends me a video and you can watch this video if you'd like to. It's the Alyssa Childers podcast. I actually have never listened to anything else of her except for this one episode. So I don't know. Uh, take that with a grain of salt. But she interviewed this woman named Marsha Montegro, Montenegro. Uh, And I think it's on YouTube. I think it's called, Is the Enneagram a Trojan Horse? And Marsha Montenegro is someone who was an astrologist before she got saved. She was a big new age thinker, uh, uh, really someone who was actually doing star charts for other people. And she made this comment that took me to my knees. And she said, when I was doing star charts for my clients as an astrologist, time and time again, they would say this phrase to me. It's like you're reading my soul. It's like, you know, exactly what I'm feeling. And she said, never once did someone feel like it wasn't true. But if you're like me and you're a Bible believing believer, then you know that astrology and reading someone's life off of astrology, not only is it witchcraft, but it's also uh, not what God wants because it leads us to a source other than Jesus. Now, I may have jumped ahead a little bit because before I got this particular uh, YouTube video sent to me, I listened to the Typology podcast interview between Ian Cron and Richard Rohr. And Richard Rohr is supposed to be the father of the Christian Enneagram. And I'm listening to this podcast. I spent an hour listening to it. And I'm thinking the whole time, this man is not really a Christian. He's a Franciscan priest. And uh, this man does not purport that Jesus is the only way to God. And I'm listening to this and I'm thinking, this is actually a little bit alarming because if I'm taking 
the nature of the Enneagram as a helpful tool for believers from this person who is actually maybe not a believer. Now, can I know that for sure? Of course not. But he's definitely not saying Jesus Christ has to be in your life for the forgiveness of your sins for you to be reconciled to the Father. What he was actually saying is that all people are never separated from God and that God is this energy source that all different traditions seem to tap at some level. Now, that should fire you up. I'm listening to that podcast. I'm listening to Ian Cron talk about how he believes this is true as well, that God is sort of like this Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are sort of this Trinitarian energy force field that that you can connect with, but it's really hard to distinguish the three of them from each other. And I'm thinking that, to me, is a big load of crap. Now, you might not agree with me, and that's fine. But for me, in my theology, I'm thinking Jesus Christ absolutely was a person. Jesus Christ is the only one who was capable of paying for our sins. Jesus Christ is the only way. Accepting him as your Lord and Savior, receiving the free gift of his salvation, is the only way to be reconciled to the Father. And the truth of the matter is that none of us are genuinely connected to God until we surrender to his ways, until we receive his uh, payment for salvation. All of us have an issue of sin that has to be dealt with. And I'm thinking, well, this is not accurate. Of course, that began to poke holes in the whole idea of the Enneagram altogether. And here's where I want to land this plane. And, you know, I I do have a lot more thoughts than this, but I I don't know that they necessarily need to be shared. But in my journey with the Enneagram over the last two and a half years, and as someone who has actually found it to be helpful and encouraged my friends to pursue this, what I have discovered is that every place you can go to learn about the Enneagram, except for one, and and I have researched this a lot. Every single place is pointing you to someone who is not actually a Bible-believing Christian. They are all pointing you to someone who is more of a spiritualist, more of a universalist, and someone who is not teaching you that in Christ, through the Holy Spirit, you have the power to defy limitations. Now, if you've listened to my podcast, you know that I do believe that all of us have sort of some core issues that we kind of circle around uh, over and over again. And so maybe you could make a case that that's connected to your Enneagram number. I actually don't think that it is. But what I'm saying is that the Enneagram, the deeper you go, the less it holds up. The deeper you go, the farther away it leads you from Jesus and his Holy Spirit. And that to me is a problem. Am I going to go so far as to say, if you are into the Enneagram, you are demonized? Absolutely not. I don't believe that about myself. And I'm not saying that as someone who's deceived. I'm saying that as someone who has laid my soul bare to the Holy Spirit over the last two months and said, teach me, know me, correct me, Lord. What I'm saying is that when we want to learn about ourselves through the lens of the Enneagram, we end up learning from people who don't know how to point you to the liberation that comes from the cross alone. We end up learning from people who are actually turning your eyes back onto yourself and off of Jesus. And you and I both know if you are a believer, that is not the way it's supposed to be. You can get wisdom from the flesh. You can get understanding from the flesh. You can get personality help from the flesh, but the flesh is temporary. The flesh is not eternal. So the higher way to live, the more excellent way to live, the more, uh, uh, the deeper revelation comes from when we live from the spirit, not from the confines of the flesh. In fact, that's what Romans is all about. That's what a lot of the New Testament is about, crucifying our flesh, which Richard Rohr called the alter ego. Now, 
I think in some ways you could make that statement. Okay. Maybe like the, the alternate personality, but I think that's a limiting way to talk about the sinful nature. I think that's a very limiting way. Um, and, and, and maybe even a very deceptive way to say almost as if your sinful nature is not a problem. Listen, your sinful nature is a problem. And the beauty of the gospel is that it doesn't have to stay a problem, that through Jesus, you don't have to be confined by that. And everywhere I have looked with the Enneagram, I have been met with people who don't understand how to apply it in that context. And I think what I'm seeing now, the reason is because this is not a spirit-filled scenario. This is not a personality tool that's going to help you with your spiritual life in Christ. Why does that matter? Because the Enneagram presents itself as a spiritual tool. So the Myers-Briggs, the DISC profile, the Gallup Strengths Finder, all of those are about your behavior and the actions of your life. None of those are trying to indicate anything about your spiritual life. None of them. And so in that regard, maybe they're a little bit safer. The Enneagram is the one that crosses the line to say in your spiritual development, you can use this. And in my personal opinion, I think I'm at the point now where I've tested it. I've looked at it and I'm telling you it can't. So here's my recommendation. You know, you could, you could make the case that Marsha Montenegro makes in this Alyssa Childers podcast on YouTube about the Trojan horse, of the Enneagram, you could make her case, which is that, uh, the crazy guy who I mentioned earlier, I don't know his name and I probably am not going to go look it up that, uh, her belief is that Richard Rohr actually learned the Enneagram from him. And he would purport that, uh, he learned the Enneagram through automatic writing. And if you're familiar with anything that comes with the occult, Automatic writing is basically a tool where the demonic takes over your body and writes on your behalf. Uh, Not good, you know, Um, not good. So that would be really interesting to discover if Richard Rohr actually learned the Enneagram from this person. The first woman to write about the Enneagram was actually a psychic. Now that was news to me because in the podcast with Ian Cron, he mentions this woman and um, she is definitely not called a psychic in that podcast, which felt a little deceiving to me. So you can take this and do what you want with it. Let me tell you what I'm doing with it as we wrap it up for for today. What I've decided to do is just um, stop talking about the Enneagram. Uh, On my Instagram, I quit following all the Enneagram accounts that I was following. And I have chosen to look at the Enneagram more of like a horoscope or a Zodiac type thing. You know, there might be some truth in it. There might be some things that feel like, yep, this is absolutely me. But when I discover or feel those things, instead of leaning in and saying the Enneagram must be true, I'm leaning out and saying the Enneagram has tapped on something of basic human nature. Uh, And so for whatever word, for whatever it's worth, uh, maybe there's a little bit of value in that, that it helps define human nature a little bit more. And that's where I'm going to leave it. A long time ago, I stopped following the Enneagram and coffee lady because not only does she really believe in crystal power and, you know, holding crystals to do different things, which is totally not biblical. Um, she's not a believer. She's very vocal about that. And also, you know, I felt like her whole perception of how do we go inward and, and almost like contemplative, uh, meditation, which is very similar to transcendental meditation, which is basically opening yourself up to the demonic realm and letting the demonic help you. Um, also not good. So what I've done personally is I've just asked the Holy spirit to remove, uh, any doors that I've opened to the enemy through that. I don't know that there are necessarily, and I'm just being honest with you, but I'm not taking any chances. So, um, I'll pray. I'm going to pray at the end of this. And you know, if you're someone you're listening to this and you're going, I probably need to do that too. You can just uh, receive this prayer. 
So I've prayed that and uh, I've unfollowed all of the accounts and I've decided that I'm going to back up from the language of the Enneagram. So you're not going to hear me talking about types. And when I'm interacting with people, although I might, you know, still think about human motivation and human nature in that regard, uh, I'm not going to point people back to the Enneagram. And that's kind of it. Uh, I'm going to make a statement to my church at some point in the before the year is out about it. And then I don't plan on being, you know, the person, I don't know, we'll see what the Holy Spirit does, but I don't plan on being the champion to try to convince people that Enneagram is demonic because I'm not even necessarily saying it's entirely demonic, except I am saying I do believe the enemy loves the Enneagram because it points you away from the cross. And that is something you know, if you're going just tit for tat, if you're just going by pros and cons, that's something that definitely falls in the kingdom of darkness category, obviously. So if you've got questions about this, which I'm sure you do, you are absolutely welcome. Message me on Facebook, message me on Instagram at Rachel Wartman. Uh, I'd, I'd love to, you know, dialogue with you if you need that, if you need that help. Um, I just felt like it was important for me to come out and say these things. Um, I'm not trying to shame you. If you end this podcast thinking, you know what? I love the Enneagram. It's been helpful for me. That's great. You know, um, I just encourage you to keep your heart open to the Holy Spirit alone and uh, he'll take care of it, you know? And I, I genuinely believe that. Um, I think a year ago, if someone had said this to me, it would have caused me to really have to do some some deep dive. But I did really like this interview that Alyssa Childers did with Marsha Montenegro. I thought it actually put language to some things I'd been sensing and wasn't able to, to really articulate. So, all right, let's pray. Lord Jesus, we want to be people who actually know you. We want to be people who are surrendered to your will in our life. And Lord, if there's any place in us that has opened the door to the kingdom of darkness through the Enneagram, Father, we repent of that right now. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would wash us with the blood of Jesus, that you would close any door that's open and help us to see people in the way that you see them, that we would be able to speak to their spirit and call them higher into your kingdom, not into the realm of the flesh. Lord, we're asking for breakthrough, for understanding, for revelation, and we're asking for the blood of Jesus to come and be our defender and our rear guard and also be our offensive force in the kingdom of heaven as well. Lord, I I, I just love you. I thank you for your leadership. And um, I thank you for the people who are listening to this right now. Lord, would you lead us, guide us, shape us, and help us become the best version of ourselves, which is the one that's the most like you. We love you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. I really do hope this was helpful for you. I know this is going to be an about face for a lot of you guys, but uh, we're going to make it through together. Until next time, be blessed. So you've just listened to The Art of Being You with Rachel Wartman. I hope you enjoyed this episode of my podcast. And listen, it would mean the world to me if you would subscribe and rate or review this podcast on wherever you're listening from. Also, share it with a friend. Help me get the word out. Until next time, be blessed.